please turn the Bible to 1 John chapter 5. <laughs> We're getting through this chapter. I'm not in a huge hurry because I just want you to get everything in here. Uh, once again, remember, this is the apostle that nobody could kill, and I think that's really significant. Um, and, uh, you know, the things that he knew, we need to know. We need to not know in our head. We need to know in our heart. We need to be convinced of these things. Amen. So I really, I'm not really looking to, I guess, give you just new information all the time. What I want to do is confirm in your heart the things that you know and strengthen those things so that you can actually use them in your life. Um, and uh, today we're going to look at verse 9. I'm a little bit excited also because <laughs> the series following this is going to be the book of James. And uh, I've got to share this with you. I'm sorry. Because uh, <laughs> that's where I'm at at the moment. And uh, you know, one of the things that I just never realized was that uh, I, I was going to, I, I actually didn't know what to do next. But because I'd done this before, I just felt the Lord leading me in that direction. And uh, I was trying to negotiate. <laughs> I said, what about Ephesians? I like Ephesians. You know, because <laughs> it's got some of the most tremendous revelations. But uh, the Lord just kept moving back to James. And I thought, why is it that, you know, why do we want to follow on from John to James? I said, what is the significance? And Long story short, I'll give you the long version when we get to it. But, <laughs> but long story short, you know, uh, the book of James has been described as uh, the Proverbs of the New Testament. But the thing is that there was something great deal more significant than that. And that was, and I never realized this, I never picked up on this uh, the first time around, that it is literally a continuation of the teachings of Jesus. And I thought, no wonder the Lord wants you to see. We, what a great pr uh, progression to go from all the things that the Apostle John knew, okay, uh, and, and caused him to be that person that he decided when he wanted to go home, amen, regardless of the circumstances, to the person that lived in the house with Jesus. And, you know, I never realized that James is the only epistle that gives the kind of descriptions that Jesus gives because it's his half-brother. He heard all these things, and, you know, I realized that, you know, how many times have we thought, oh, if we just knew a little bit more about what Jesus actually said, well, that's exactly what the, what the book of James does. You know, it literally, that's why he talks about the oceans and the forests and everything else. He does what Jesus does. He gives illustrations. He says, like a man looking in the mirror, and then you walk off and you forget everything you saw. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just, one after the other, let, gives you pictures and I think that is a tremendous book to move on to from this. And so I'm excited to get to it when we get to it. But today we're going to continue on. The thing is, I don't want, you know, as tremendous as that is. And see, again, you know, as much as I love the book of Ephesians, and when we get to it, we'll get to it, by the way. All right. Before Jesus comes, hopefully. All right. So at this rate, nobody knows. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I just think, I just think, you know, it's not the volume. It's, it's not quantity, it's quality. Amen? And that's the reason why I'm not in a hurry, because I, mean, I could race through all of this stuff, and all you do is go home with just a whole bunch of head knowledge. And I really don't want that, family. I want us to grow on the inside. Amen? Having said all that, let's get to this. First <laughs> John chapter 5 and verse 9. Remember last time, we looked at verses 6 through 8, and we talked about the Spirit... The water and the blood. Do you remember that? Okay, remember the water and the blood signified Jesus' baptism and Jesus' death 
And remember again that the Apostle John was making the point that Jesus was the Son of God from the very beginning. Amen. He wasn't just the Son of God at his baptism and then lost it at his death. He was throughout his life the Son of God. And now we're coming, we're going on to the next thing. That was, those are three witnesses that were given in those verses. But now the Apostle John says, if we receive the witness of men, he says, now the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. So firstly, in relation to uh, receiving the witness of men, from a general point of view, I really love this, William MacDonald says, he says, in everyday life, we constantly accept the word of our fellow men. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that true? And I never really thought about this. You know, we just constantly, people come and say, this happened, and we immediately believe it. You know, if the source is re reliable, okay? <laughs> now, if any one of you told me something, I'd believe you, okay? So don't lie to me. All right, so, <laughs> all right. But, you know, some guy, some stranger came and said, your house is on fire. I'd be like, hmm, my wife hasn't called. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know about this. I need one or two witnesses, you know? <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to run off, you know? And he was doing that, so I'd leave my car unlocked and run off while he robbed me, okay? So whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Just, okay. But it's really interesting. He says it's in everyday life. We constantly accept the word of our fellow men. If we did not, business would be at a standstill and social life would be impossible. You, you know, even in our social life, the old grapevine, did you hear? No, <laughs> let's not go there. Okay, but just in, in, just in everyday life, I mean, when I talk to my dad, and I just ask how he's going and everything else. You know, I believe what he says. Do you not, isn't that what we do? We, we know we catch up with friends and we believe everything they say. Isn't it interesting? Okay, I just want to bring that to your attention. And so he says, we accept the testimony of men who may be mistaken and who may be, who even may be deceivers, now, if we do this in everyday life, how much more should we trust the word of God? Hallelujah. Okay. Who cannot fail and cannot lie. It is most unreasonable not to believe God. His witness is absolutely credible. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> yes, I can read minds. All right. <laughs> I know people. Are, you know, and I want to deal with this too, just, just for a moment. You know, a lot of times we, we've believed God, so to speak. We believe God for something. And those things haven't manifested. And I think that's the problem that we have. You know, we say, well, we believe for that nothing happened. I don't know whether we can believe this or not. The problem that we have with that state, or the problem with that statement is that what did, you know, man is a funny thing. You know, he, when he's desperate, he'll make all kinds of promises and then when he's out of trouble, he forgets them all. You all know what I'm saying? And then the next time around, we forget that we did that. And we come to God and God's still waiting on the last promise that you made. Hello. <laughs> okay. And so you're asking for another thing. And you're saying, and I, you know, and I promise that if you get me out of this one, I will wake up at six in the morning and pray for two hours. As if. And you don't even wake up then. You know, you're unconscious. And then and, and I, will, I, will, I, mean, I will give 20% or 30% to the church. And it's just like you're not even giving five bucks to the church. I mean, you know, I mean, really, two bucks is hard for you to, you know what I'm trying to say? And people make all these ridiculous things. And they say, come on, God. And you know what? God knows. Can I just say this? If, if you did that to someone, if you said to someone, if you help me, I will do all this, and you never did anything, and the next time you turned up and said, I will, you know, help me the second time around, and I'll do all this, you know, they're not going to believe you. 
Your word is unreliable. You're with me. Now, listen, family. If we know that, do we not know that God knows that? Can I get a little amen on that? You know what I'm trying to say? Amen? And I think that's the problem that we have so much of the time. Can I just ask you, if you're having trouble receiving from God, can you go back to him and ask him, what is the last thing that I said I would do that I didn't do? Could you remind me, please? Because I, I might have said something and not done something, and I needed to do that. And, you know, sometimes not doing those things opens the door for the enemy to come in and attack you as well. Hello. Amen? All right. So, having dealt with that in a very small way, I could say a lot more, but I'm, I'm just leaving it at that. All right? I think you all get this. Now, going back to what uh, um, William McDonald said, that it is most unreasonable not to believe God. His witness is absolutely credible. This is brought out in several scriptures in the Bible. I'm only going to look at two of them. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, I'm going to read from the King James Version, but I've modified it a little bit just so you can understand it. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Notice God that cannot lie. Amen? And also in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, just for the sake of clarity. He says, So God has given us both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Is that clear enough? Amen. I just want to, you know, I just want to give you some scripture regarding the impossibility for God to lie. Are you all with me? Amen. Okay. Now, returning to 1 John 5, I want to go and actually look at what the Apostle John is talking about. All right. The very first part of verse 9, uh, from a more specific point of view, Simon J. Kistamaka says, that the expression man's testimony is a reference to John the Baptist. Now, let's go back in time a little bit, okay? Because remember, John the Baptist was around. All right, he was, he was out. Remember, he was baptizing people, and he was the forerunner for Jesus. We, they needed a forerunner because they hadn't had anybody out there, a prophet out there for so long. They'd gone so off track. It was ridiculous. In fact, things were so bad that, you know, when Jesus comes on the scene... People don't even recognize him. The priests that were meant to recognize him, the, you know, the previous generations of priests look forward to his coming. You know, if any of those priests were to meet these priests, you know, the ones that rejected Jesus, boy, they would slap him around and tell, tell him to go in the corner and <laughs> repent and everything else because they knew the Messiah was coming. They looked forward to the Messiah coming and had the Messiah come at that point in time, hello, they would have received him, accepted him. It would have been a whole different story. But, you know, that's the reason why John the Baptist has come on the scene. Because he was there to prepare the way. Amen? And that's why he would, he would foretell the coming. He would say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I really like that as well. Because he's, he said he's not just here to take away the Jews' sin. He's here to take away the sin of the whole world. That's all of us. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is who we're talking about now. All right. The expression man's testimony is a reference to John the Baptist. Jesus said of the Baptist, there is another who testifies in my favor. And I know that his testimony about me is valid. John the Baptist, remember I told you again that both of his parents were priests. You all remember that? Okay. And because of that, you know, everybody believed his testimony. They, you know, even though it was a little bit harsh, they still believed him. 
because he was priest's son. You know, everybody got a priest's son, okay? Uh, and so he came from the right stock and everything else. And so that's the reason why the apostle John is saying, listen, you guys believe that testimony. There was a testimony even greater, and let's continue. In that same context, Jesus added, I have testimony weightier or greater than that of John. So Jesus himself is saying here, this is in John chapter 5, verses 36 and 37. He says again, I have testimony weightier than or greater than that of John. And the Father who has sent men has himself testified concerning me. So he said the same Father who sent those men to testify has himself testified for me as well. So th this is something really important and really crucial. See, a lot of times people come in the name of God. Okay? And some people will say, yes, we know that person. That is a godly person. Can I ask you a question? What happens if you're thinking, I'm not really sure, and then the heavens open up? <laughs> okay? Listen now. And a voice comes down and says, he's my kid. You go, okay, that'll do. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. Man, that, that would sell it for me. I mean, I'd go, yeah, no, thank you. That's, that's enough. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Amen. You know, hello. Okay. That's why Jesus says, he says, I have testimony weightier than that of John. And the father who sent men has, has himself testified concerning me. Perhaps John had these words of Jesus in mind when he compares the testimony of man with that of God. All right, to understand the significance of God's testimony over John's Baptist, uh, John the Baptist's testimony, we need to remember what Jesus had said about John the Baptist. See, we need to remember that Jesus taught, thought very highly of John. All right, in Luke chapter 7, verse 28. So, uh, you know, the, the, the witnesses that he's giving are just tremendous. Why is all this important? You might say, well, what's the point of all this? Listen, the whole point of all of this is this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. If we don't have faith in God, nothing is going to work. Do you understand? And so all that, that the Apostle John is doing here, we're leading to something else now. We've moved from the faith that overcomes the world, into the, we're moving to the place where and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So we go from, Mount, you know, from world overcomers to prayers that every single time is answered. Are you all with me? So here's the transition. <laughs> okay? Here's the stuff you need to know to go from that to the other. From one victory to the next. Are you all with me? So that's the reason why this is so important. Because you, you know, it's funny how... Little things get in the way of you believing God. See, I can talk to you about faith, but what if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, what if this is all just a big crock? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Okay, you know what I'm trying to say? And, you know, that's the, that's the way the devil works. He comes and sits on your shoulders and goes, what if it's all just not true, you know? I mean, have you ever really seen anything? Have you ever really seen an angel or something? doesn't matter all the miracles that take place in your life. doesn't matter all the things that you prayed over and amazing things happen. You know, I, I mean, just impossible things happen. But you never saw an angel, so we can't believe any of that stuff. <laughs> Are you all here? Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? You know, it's amazing how little things. The Bible talks about the little foxes that spoil the vine. You all know the story behind that, right? Who doesn't? Okay, let me, okay, okay, two hands. All right. Let me just tell you, in the Old Testament... 
You know, they used to have grapevines, okay? They, they, they would have them uh, placed in such a way, all right, that if any of the big foxes came along, they would be able to reach the grapes. So they would just eat the grapes. They wouldn't attack the vine. They would eat the grapes and go off. So you come in the morning and, you know, you're missing a few bunches, all right? But the little foxes can't reach the grapes. So what they do is they attack the vine itself until the whole thing falls over, and then they can get at the grapes because it's now on their level. Are you all with me? And it's those little things that destroy everything. And so that's where the, little, the, the, the saying came from. It's the little foxes that destroy the vine. You know, they just destroy everything. And these are the little foxes that I want to get out of your, you know, your vineyard. <laughs> okay? I want these things out of the way so that when you start believing, you know that you have a foundation upon which you believe. Amen? And that th this is not a shaky foundation. This is a sure foundation. Amen? Okay. All right. Moving on. We were going to Luke chapter 7, verse 28. <clears throat> this is Jesus saying, he says, For I say to you, among those born of women... There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there were whole, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. These are amazing guys. And Jesus says, of all that were born of women. You know, they were all born of women, right? They didn't just fall from the earth. Low-flying, flying saucer. Oh, I lost an Isaiah. Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> you know, that stuff didn't happen. Don't, don't think. <laughs> okay. That didn't happen. All right. Listen, man, these are all born of women. And he says, of all of them, he says, John the Baptist is the greatest. He, uh, again, he says, there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he, now watch this, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is incredible, isn't it? He's saying there is a time coming when we're going to be born again. They are going to, be, going to become new creations. We are going to become the body of Christ. You all know that John the Baptist came to pave the way for Christ. And if we're his body, then guess what? The forerunner isn't greater than the one he's heralding. Are you all with me? And you are part of the body of Christ. Remember that. Amen? So, getting back to this. It is in relation to this that both Jesus and the Apostle John says that the witness of God is greater. Not just to draw attention to the acceptance of of God's testimony, but again, to the significance of that testimony. In other words, this isn't just to say, oh, by the way, God said this, but he's, this is to say that, hey, by the way, God is saying this. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? You know, there are, some, there are some people in your life you believe more than others. Can I just say that? Okay, there's some people that, you know, if I was to come and say, you know, uh, say you believe person A more than person B. Okay, this makes it really simple. All right? All right. <laughs> if I came and said, oh, person B said blah, 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 you'd go, uh-huh. Okay. You know, you'd take that with a grain of salt. Okay? If I came and said person A said blah, 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 whatever it, that person A said, you will act on that. Are you all with me? And this is what G, uh, the, uh, John is saying. The Apostle John is saying. i got John the Baptist in my head as well. All right. The Apostle John is saying. <laughs> a lot of Johns, isn't it? Okay. The Apostle John is saying, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, person B. I'm talking about person A. I'm not talking about man. I'm talking about God himself. Are you all with me? Okay. I have it, accordingly, I have it Marshall writes. John is saying that we ought to accept God's testimony precisely because it is God's testimony. Did you get that? Okay, and that this testimony concerns his son. 
In other words, God is testifying about something, and what he's testifying about is his son. Listen, the whole point of this is that if you don't believe, see, this is, the whole thing is what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in other words, God is saying, listen, believe what he says. Amen? And if Jesus then says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. I don't know, Jesus. It's not the response. Are you getting this? All of this is to say, if he said something, believe it, do it. We're dying. We're about to drown. Help. Help. Jesus gets up, rebukes the psalmist, and says, where's your faith? In other words, Jesus is saying, why don't you do something about this? Believe him. If he says something, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, believe, you know what? Yeah, let me just, I need to jump out for a second, okay? You know what the problem is? It's too easy. And it's too hard. It's both. Do you understand the number of things that it takes to replace faith? I mean, the, do we have cats again? The, the, number, <laughs> the number of things it takes to replace whatever you say you can have. Let's think about it, okay? Do you know, there were, there were a group of people that, that, you know, technology didn't quite get to them for a, quite a while. And you know how they would get from place to place? They would translate. No gas bills, no cars to buy or repair, no pink slips, hello, no driving test, hello. <laughs> okay. Some people you wonder if they ever took one. Anyway, and you know the way they drive. But yeah, thank you. But you know, it's, it's, think about all the things that your faith has to replace or that needs to replace your faith. When you want to eat something, you know, you gotta somebody's gotta grow it for you. They gotta package it. They gotta send it to a supermarket that you can get to. You then have to earn some money in order to go buy it. I mean, think about every single thing. Do you know we have to have passports and everything, especially in coronavirus, you know? You know, well, if you could translate, you wouldn't need an airplane. Of course, take a mask when you translate. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, if you can do that, man, you've got the faith of God all over you anyway. You probably just go heal everybody, which is, anyway, that's another story. But you understand something. The amount of things that replaces our faith, it's incredible. Everything was meant to be whosoever shall say. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, shall have whatever he says. When they didn't have enough food, all they needed was a couple of fishes and loaves, and Jesus multiplied it and fed 5,000 men. You know, they didn't come alone, right? <laughs> you know, there was women and kids and everything running around. And, you know, okay, listen, they all had, and do you know, the teenagers eat a lot. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure they said, oh, look, a basket, that'll do for me. Okay, <laughs> right. what are you eating, mom and dad? You know, you know I'm just saying that, the, you know, he fed all of this just with hardly anything. Are you all with me? Listen, the whole point I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is that there is, you know, the Apostle John is saying, believe him. Believe what God is saying. 
Because if you believe that, then you'll believe what his son is saying. If you believe what his son is saying, if you truly believe, then things will begin to happen in your life. Things miraculous, the miraculous will begin to happen in your life and it will become a normal thing in your life. You know, we are so far from it right now. It's almost like a dot in our rearview mirror. It is almost impossible for us to even fathom this. But if I don't keep sharing it with you, you'll never get it. You know, it was a funny thing. Uh, when I was doing computer science in, in uni, I think I shared this with you before, but I think it's worth sharing again. You know, one of the things that happened, when I first went in there, I couldn't understand anything that was going on. It was just all Greek to me. I mean, literally. <laughs> just look at it and I, I don't know what that is. And it's interesting. The, the teacher said something very interesting. You know, it was, a, it was a lady teacher. She said, listen, this may not make any sense to you, but something will happen over the next couple of weeks. She said, just keep doing it, and suddenly it'll all make sense. I was thinking, yeah, right, sure. She was right, <laughs> okay? It's a funny thing. It's almost like, and I, I, I believe this is what actually happened, it, it, my brain rewired itself to understand it. I'm, I'm sharing something very significant right now. All right, listen. Had I walked out on that, had I said, oh, you know what, I don't understand any of this stuff, and it's probably all just bunk, you know, whatever, and walked off, I would have never got it. If she, hadn't, if she had looked at us and thought, they're not getting it, I'm not going to bother teaching it, I just let, let's move on to something they can understand, that would have been disastrous too. We'd have never got it. <laughs> okay? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So my job is to keep at this until your brain rewires itself. Until you begin walking the way God wants us to walk. You might say, I still don't get it. doesn't matter. Keep coming. Listen to the word. Keep, keep at it. It will... The Apostle Paul put it this way, it will renew your mind. You'll grow pathways that weren't there before, and suddenly you'll go, I get it! <laughs> pastor was right. No, pastor wasn't right. Jesus was right. Amen? I, I don't pre preach anything that I believe. I preach everything that he said. That's it. <laughs> okay? Amen? All right, let's move on. That took a long time. But anyway, I pray, I pray that you get the significance of what we're doing here and the, the significance of what the Apostle John is saying. These verses, you know, I could race through them and you wouldn't get any of this. Are you all with me? All right, let's continue. Let me go back to I. Howard Marshall because I was in the middle of his quote. I don't know where I stopped. Anyway, John is saying that we ought to accept God's testimony precisely because it is God's testimony and that this testimony concerns his son. The supreme importance of the fact that Jesus is the Son of God is thus brought out. Because it is God who has borne testimony to Jesus and declared him to be his son, it follows that acceptance of Jesus as the Son of God is of fundamental and decisive importance. Did you get all of that? It's because God himself has said, this is my, well, let's look at some scriptures in just a minute. So that's why the Apostle John goes on to say again in the latter half of verse uh, 9. He says, for this is the witness of God that he has testified of his son. So remember again that this testimony did include the voice of God at Jesus' baptism. Brought out in Matthew chapter 3 verse 17 where God said, this is Matthew 3 17. Okay. Uh, where God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Who said this? God said this. 
It wasn't somebody came with a little plaques and said, this is Jesus, the Son of God. Hoorah, hoorah. Okay, all right? Listen, man. God spoke. You know when God speaks, we need to listen. God speaks down from heaven and says, this is my beloved son. And notice he says, in whom I am well pleased. He didn't say, this is my son. I'm a little disappointed in you. I mean, seriously. <laughs> okay? You know, it's like some parents, okay? This wasn't the case. Jesus was the perfect son. Let's continue. And at his transfiguration, as brought out in Matthew chapter 7, we're almost finished, okay? Hang in there. I know it's one of those days we'd much rather be snuggled up in bed under the covers. I get it. Okay. And his, <laughs> at his transfiguration, as brought out in Matthew 17 and verse 5, where God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he says, hear him. So first he says, in whom I'm well pleased. And next he says, listen to the guy. I'm happy with him. Can somebody listen to him? He's my kid. <laughs> okay, all right. And of course, at his triumph entry into Jerusalem, in John chapter 12, I'm going to look at this, verses 28 and 29. John 12, and we'll finish here, okay? Is that good? But don't worry, we're finishing early today. I think everybody needs an early mark today. You all dragged yourself here. Well done. All right, John chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Isn't that amazing? God spoke. He prays and God speaks back. I mean, he answers him. And in, and in verse 29, it says, Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Isn't that incredible? People that are not connected to God don't know what's going on. Some go, ooh, I think it thundered. <laughs> Others said, no, 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 that was an angel. <laughs> okay? No, dude, it was God. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to leave it there because we're going to go on to verse 10 and I don't want to start it now. Uh, <laughs> we've got a fair bit to cover in verse 10. But let's leave it there for the moment. I want to I draw your attention back to one thing. And the, the point I want to make with verse 9 is that the Apostle John is saying something very significant. I need you to get this. He's saying, as much as we believe people, as much as we might want to even believe the prophets of God that foretold of Jesus coming, and there were so many, including John the Baptist, amazing man. I mean, he was a man that was just, you know, very colorful. Can I say that? <laughs> okay. His dress, his mannerisms, everything about him. You know, he made a statement. And as much as we like him and as much as we want to believe him, the Apostle John is saying, listen, the way I am an, a world overcomer, the way that I know that every prayer that I pray, in the name of Jesus, by the way, is answered, is because God himself has testified about his son. As much as man's testimony is amazing, God's testimony is greater. Amen? And can I say this? God will testify in your heart. A place that bypasses your mind and the place that allows you to do the impossible because that's where you need to believe. Do you all know that? If you believe in your heart and that's where God will speak to your heart and you need to receive that testimony when it comes along. You need to, you know, sometimes we say, God, show me something and God shows you something on the inside. You get this sense of, you know, some people say, I just got a peace come over all over me. And I, I'm in the worst place possible. And I just have this sense of peace. 
I'm just happy and I'm just like everything is okay. It's totally unreasonable. That's God. <laughs> okay? He has spoken. He has said everything is fine. Don't worry. I'm looking after it. Amen? The testimony of God is greater. It is more powerful. Hallelujah. And thank God for it. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your testimony.